Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Bridgeway Podcast. We're really happy to have you on with us today. We are continuing our series on why do we go to all nations. Uh, we're spending this uh, this whole block of time uh, thinking through why is it that Christians are called to go to all nations? Why aren't we going? What are the hurdles that we need to overcome? And um, we are going to have more practical uh, sit down today. Um, and talk through uh, some real-life examples, um, what going to the nations looks like in actual flesh and blood on an actual Tuesday morning. And we're also going to talk about some um, solutions that we have uh, here at Bridgeway that um, are coming up to help you um, become a leader, uh, to lead people and to lead your family, to lead your community group, uh, to go to the nations in your neighborhood, in your networks, and hopefully actually in the nations um, outside of this country. And so we are really, really excited to have Allie and Chris on the show with us today. How are you guys? Great. Doing well. Awesome. Um, So let's get to know you guys a little bit. So first... Allie read it all, which yeah. is the coolest last name ever, because you can just always be like, hey, did you finish that, bo- that book? And be right. like, yeah, my last name is read it all. Exactly. Of course I did. That's why I married my husband. Yeah. I, I was a reader, so I had to look for to. a last name that fit. Yeah. yeah so tell, tell us a little about, about yourself, Allie. So I've been married for almost 11 years. My husband and I moved here from Colorado about five years ago. Okay. We're in Colorado. I'm a suburb of Denver, okay. the north side. Awesome. Yeah. So we have four kids. They are 10, 9, 7, and 6. Nice. So math, they were all born within three years and nine months. Oh. So yeah, it's pretty intense. Wouldn't recommend it, but it's been amazing. That's really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do now? What's your normal day-to-day look like here in Oklahoma? Yeah. So I have the privilege of not having a daily commitment to a job right now. But um, honestly, it allows me a lot of flexibility to kind of press in the Lord daily and Mm -hmm. see what he's calling me. To do, I'm really um, active in my kids' schools yeah. and in our neighborhood. And um, Joe and I lead a community group. Um, I also lead a Bible study. So yeah, it just really depends on the day. And yeah, that's amazing. And how long have you guys been at Bridgeway? Five years. Okay, since you moved here, then yeah, this okay. was the first church we visited. No way. We stuck here. How'd you hear about Bridgeway? Um, we were looking through like vision statements okay. online, but then I also knew someone in Colorado who moved to Oklahoma and she recommended it. So gotcha. yeah, it was well, great. amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're at Bridgeway and we're glad you're here in the yeah, podcast studio today. To be here. Yeah. And then Chris Jurens, how are you, man? Doing well. Glad you're here. Tell us a little Thanks. about yourself. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Shannon and I have been married for 12 years. We have one daughter, Annie, who's eight and uh, I've lived in Edmond my whole life. Oh, so, awesome. Well, from six months on. So six months on. Yeah. I was adopted. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Man, praise God. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. So Edmund, your whole life. And so what do you do now here as you remain in Edmund? 
Well, I'm one of the principals over at FIG Financial. We're a wealth management firm, and I work with my dad and brother. So we're oh, okay. in the family awesome. business. And wealth management, do you guys mainly do more high net worth individuals, or do you do kind of the whole spectrum of people? Yeah, we do a good mixture of both. Okay. I kind of feel called to kind of be available to whoever wants to work with us. Yeah, and so how did you get into uh, wanting to do wealth management? Like, Because uh, I know we were talking earlier, and you were like, maybe liberal arts, or right. I had a lit degree, and all yeah. this other stuff, but you are like, went into the family business. Yeah. And what... what what do you feel like called you there? Well, I felt the Lord, you know, kind of post-college kind of closed some doors. I thought maybe I'd be a professional musician yeah. or um, I still get to serve on the worship team here, yep. Bridgeway. Uh, but felt uh, a real strong sense to get into the business world and the finance side. So I started studying for my certified financial planning degree. So that kind of one thing kind of led to another, and I felt like the Lord was really kind of leading me that way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you both are here. Um, we're going to try to talk a little bit before we jump into some other specifics of why you guys are necessarily on the show together. Uh, we'll talk about um, a project that you guys are involved in called LEAD, and we'll get into all that here in a bit. But before that, I kind of want to just get to know you guys a little bit, and I know you guys have a heart for your neighborhoods. I know you have a heart for the nations. I know you have a heart to raise up leaders, to go to those people. Um, I'm just curious if you guys have any stories of what like, what going to the neighborhood maybe looks like. Uh, like, Allie, do you have any, any kind of experience in like breaking that neighborhood invisible wall between you and your neighbors and doing stuff? Like, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Yeah, um... So for me particularly, I was really resistant to it up front. Mm. I was, um, I had four young kids. I was really self-absorbed is what it kind of comes down to. Um, but the Holy Spirit really just kept, you know, working on my heart and showing me that we were here for a purpose and I needed to seek that out and I needed to press into that. So through a lot of prayer, a lot of stretching and growing, I honestly just sent out a text to a lot of um, neighbors and just started a Bible study one summer. Mm. And the response was so encouraging. Um, that kind of um, launched my confidence and opened my eyes to the need of yeah. the people around us. Like it was, I assumed being in the Bible Belt, because coming from Colorado, there's not church culture there. Right. So I kind of assumed that um, for the most part, people might say, well, you know, I. I've got this, I know who Jesus is, and not really grow much in that um, area. But there was there was a hunger for from the women specifically of wanting to understand what it means to have a relationship with him mm. and really grow in that. So, um, yeah, then I just started kind of um, seeking out just discipleship opportunities, whether one-on-one or small groups, you know, over coffee, going through books, Bible, you know, whatever, whatever they felt comfortable with. Yeah. Um, as I started building relationships, what we really noticed is we actually have the nations in our neighborhood. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, we have, <clears throat> sorry. No, you're okay. We have um, people from India, from Iran. They're just, they're from all over with yeah. a lot of different backgrounds and beliefs. And so, um, in those areas, it was really about building, you know, relationships and mm-hmm. um, understanding where they come from, kind of meeting them where they're at. Right. And it's been beautiful. I mean, I have learned so much, but I've also just seen God's goodness and purpose and the intentionality there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of all over the board, you know, some in the word, some were just yeah. starting out building relationship, but 
Yeah, I'm curious about a couple things in there. Like one, I know for a lot of people, um, just making that shift, and it, it maybe maybe that's the problem. Is it seems like too big of a shift? I don't know. But you said it was like I was just too self absorbed. That was really the problem. Mm-hmm. But making that shift from like I'm with my kids, I've got a lot of them, I've got a lot to do, to like I'm going to text people and lead a Bible study with my neighbors. Yeah. That seems like a huge jump for yeah. a lot of people, for me even. And it's like. What was it that seemed catalytic to you in making that shift? Yeah, Um, that's a great question because I, to this day, don't know that the moment other than the Holy Spirit did something (coughs) to my heart. Mm. I remember driving home one night and um, don't even know where I was coming from. I just ended up at the house and I was bawling my eyes out. Mm. And Joe was like, what is, what's going on? (laughs) Like, I'm not just one to just cry out of nowhere. And really, um, the work that had been done just supernaturally was this realization of I didn't want to just exist. Right. I didn't want to be just this nominal Christian who just went, you know, from birth to death, just being task oriented in my faith. Mm. Like, I wanted to fully walk in the calling that the Lord had set before me. And if I wasn't, like, I just didn't see the value of, mm. you know, my life, not in an unhealthy way, but it was just this eye-opening moment of, I have been purposed here. I've been purposed for a time and Jesus is worthy. Like he's worthy of his names coming off of my lips and I am just keeping it to myself. So it really was a shift. It was a dramatic one. And like I said, I'm sure it was just over time, that progressive sanctification Mm, type of thing. Totally. But um, yeah, he brought me to a place of full surrender of just not, I viewed God in my life versus my life being a part of like his redemptive story, you know, like he was playing. That's huge. And so that transformation happened and it wasn't necessarily a word. It wasn't one specific Mm. thing. The Holy Spirit just penetrated my heart and woke me up to, um, it was then the, I was just compelled to change. How have you, have you experienced, we talk a lot about like gospel centeredness mm-hmm. on, on this podcast. It's, it's, it's our core pillar. Um, and, and a lot of times when we talk about things like going to the nations, uh, when me, me and the pastors are sitting down, we, we almost always circle back to how does it not feel legalistic? Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about like, I don't want my life to be a waste and I don't right. want, you know, I don't want to be meaningless. And so I will do something and me doing that thing is the thing that gives me meaning, that makes me purposeful. Like, sure. and, and it's like, how does that not become a meritocracy? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that I've learned is that I need to allow um, the gospel to penetrate my heart every mm-hmm. day. Yes. Like I have to be broken over my sin every day and realize um, just God's goodness and his grace in my life every single day. And when that knowledge of who he is just, you know, penetrates my heart and um, it just stirs my affections for him and I can't then help but go, you know? So it starts with the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for me and that realization of like, man, like it is an honor and a privilege to know you. Like this is... It's exciting. Like, God, you are so good. Like, you are so good. This isn't a task. This isn't, you know, people aren't project. It's not about that. It's like, I can't not. And it takes me back to Hebrews 13 of like continually, like his name being acknowledged on your lips, Mm -hmm. just because I can't not, you know? And so I think that helps keep it from 
being task or legalistic. I think that is 100% right on the nose. I absolutely love that. It reminds me of Amos where he says like, uh, the lion has roared, who can mm. but tremble? God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Yeah. It's like when lions roar, you get scared. Right. When God speaks and you hear it, you can't help but spread it. Yeah. Like it just happens yeah. because you've experienced it. All right, a couple more questions in your story because okay. I, th- I think it's a great story. Um, when you were like, I'm going to start a Bible study with my neighbors. Yeah. Like, well, I think a lot of listeners are probably like, how, what resources did you use? Did you, are you just a Bible genius and a natural <laughs> leader of people? Like what did, like, what did you go to to help you start those studies? Yeah. The first um, study I did, it was already put together. It was um, a Bible study from Lisa Turkhurst. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely prayed through the avenue. I love to study the word. Yep. So, I mean, I will eat up commentaries. I will take word by word. So my natural instinct was to do that, but I understand that not everyone's (laughs) on that level. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we did, we started with a Bible study. I had read through it and also brought additional resources to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's good to glean from different areas. Um, But for that first season, that's what I started with. And then over time, as I saw these women develop and want more, they Mm -hmm. want more meat then that's when we started just going chapter by chapter in yeah. a book of the Bible and really starting to dig into it and more talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sitting there preaching at them or teaching yeah. at them. It's more, okay, how does this, you know, how do you respond to this yeah. text? Like, what, would you, how, what would you say to someone who's who's maybe not inclined the way you are toward commentaries? Because I'm sure probably the sure. three, all three of us are. Yeah. And so we got to talk to people who aren't like us. Um, and, yeah. and it's like, people are like, great. I'm really glad you were able to do Lisa's, you know, Devo and it worked great. And then you're like, now we're going verse by verse. I'm yeah. very intimidated to walk someone through chapter by chapter of the sure. Bible and answer questions. Cause I got a lot of questions myself. What would you say to that, yeah. that person? I would say, I mean, God has equipped each of us for mm-hmm. a purpose and for a reason. So I think really, um, you kind of have to navigate of having that bold confidence in who he's created to be, but really relying on his spirit to leave you, lead you and navigate you in that way. You know, if you're not one who's going to d- dig deep or have logos on your you know, computer yeah. or whatever. Right. Like, or don't know what logos is at right, all. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, there are resources. I think there's um, wisdom in maybe asking leaders in your church, whether it's, you know, if you're woman asking the women's you know leadership team or the men and vice versa i think you know yeah go into your leadership there's wisdom in that to help Mm. you kind of guide if you don't know where to start yeah but there's also just resting in the fact of like god created you Mm. for a purpose like speak the truth speak from a pure place and like his word doesn't return void you know and just trusting in that i think that's really good uh, yeah, you're you're more powerful than you know, not because of who you are, because of Christ in you. Yeah. And we need to just lean on that and know. And also, like, if you open the Bible with someone, something's going to happen. You yes. know, like, his, his word doesn't return void. I remember um, I do a lot of work with Bible translation, and I was out in India, in Bihar, India. And um, we were in this village, and they'd never heard God's word in their heart language before. Mm. And so we turned on Genesis 1 through 3 in their heart language on this little solar-powered speaker box. And they heard Genesis 1 through 3 for the first time just sitting out in the open. And they were just, like, shocked and offended and all this stuff. Mm. And, like, whenever Adam and Eve, you know, ate from the tree and all this. Anyway, and so through, like, three translators, I asked them, what did this mean to you? No commentaries, no biblical worldview. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what Yahweh is. They, they don't know any of this stuff. And the one thing that uh, multiple people said there, the women there, they said, I always knew 
there was one God who created everything, but I didn't know it until I heard it in my language. Mm. And I was like, that's just God's word doing his, its thing. Like, it's just powerful. Like, you didn't need an exegete there. You didn't need a preacher there. It's just cool. Anyway, yeah. so I'm just reminded of that. Last question for your story. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about the nations being in your backyard. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you're sitting down with people from Iran and all these other places, and you're like, it's different for them. We're not just going to sit down and be like, Galatians 1, right. if you preach any other gospel, you're like, whoa, back off, yeah. dude. You know, and yeah. like, well, and so what, 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 what does that look like? You said we just built relationships and it mm-hmm. looked a little differently. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, particularly, it took um, intentionality from me to, again, meet them where they're at and kind of understand even their culture and how they, you know, communicate or do things. One um, neighbor I have in mind, you know, I'm like, I have a, I plan a day to plan my schedule. Like that's how type (laughs) A I am. And she is on the other end of the spectrum. She doesn't work. She just kind of does, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. she wants to in that day. And so we were kind of having a hard time connect because she didn't understand why I couldn't just drop everything. Right. But again, gracious, you know, kindness of the Lord rebuking me in that. I'm like, you have a purpose set before you. Like this is this is who I have in your sphere of influence right now. Like you need to be ready to meet her where she's at. So it might look like going for a walk, you know, the drop of a hat, or it might um go be going to birthday parties, just whatever the op- when the opportunity comes up, um, it's really being intentional about kind of placing these relationships and pursuing these first and foremost before, mm-hmm. you know, our own fleshly desires. Um, but then also opening up our home. Like we've had the privilege to have so many families from different countries come sit at the table with us. And there's just something that happens when you're sharing a meal. Yep. Like you relate in different ways and it really opened up um, opportunity for them to share more about where they've come from, um, you know, where, why they're here. And it's been really neat. Like I said, I've gleaned, um, I've just learned a lot from them in different cultures and just the beauty and um, the gifts God has even in each of them, you mm. know, and what we can learn from them. Like we are all created in this image and yeah, it's just, it's been beautiful. It's very natural. Just, I mean, walking down the street, if we see another family walking, we'll stop right. and talk to them and just gauge, engage in conversation. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a big, yeah, you know, show. It's just nope. being normal, yep. you know, just caring. <laughs> yeah, so. that's great. Well, awesome, Allie. Thank you for sharing all that yeah. and let me ask so many questions. Yeah. But uh, Chris, um, I'm very curious to see what um, going to the nations and being intentional about just being on mission on a day-to-day basis looks like in your world, Uh, you know, kind of in the work sphere, you know, you spend hours and hours and hours, at least eight hours a day, you know, at the office or with clients and what, so like for you, when, when you hear like go to the nations or, you know, be missional, and you, you're like, well, I'm at a desk and I have to go to the office. And so what does that look like for you? Well, I think pretty quickly I learned that, uh, you know, we have a, a fairly large client base over 13, 14 states. So oh, wow, yeah. I think immediately I kind of recognize, A, we're talking about people's money. Yep. So you're getting to the heart of some <laughs> yeah, really close, uh, pretty touchy issues. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I really re- kind of realized, like, we're able to help serve and help people steward so even from like a kingdom perspective you know we have a a good amount of believers Mm -hmm. we're helping senders steward their money so they can send more abundantly yep 
That's really good. Yeah. So you know, in the in so that I mean, I think what you're talking about there is you found mission right inside yes. of your vocation. Yes, which I think is a is is it's a hard leap for a lot of people to make. Where it's right. like I just help people plan their finances. Right. It's like no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like there is there's something deep and intentional that is for God's glory in here that is redemptive, is part of his larger plan, like you were talking about, Ali. Like, and so um, I think that's really important. How, how would you go about helping people see like this, like God's redemptive plan in their job? You know, because people, a lot, I mean, chefs and, right. you know, like not everybody has that money tie to that, like, okay, oh, right. there we go. It's tied to giving and you can give the missions, done. Like, what are some, have you worked, have you thought through any questions or, or things that like people could ask or like, do you have other examples of people finding mission and vocation? Yeah. You know, money is a funny thing because whether you have an abundance or a need, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of uncovers or exposes your heart. Right. So you can kind of find the kind of underlying idol mm-hmm. based on what money affords. Right. So I don't know if that's status or that's comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of processing people with people on kind of a personal level of using their money and realizing that it's God's money. Mm-hmm. It's not their own. I think for me, kind of, you know, dovetailing with what Ali was kind of mentioning, uh, I think the challenge for me was realizing that in order for me to kind of go out, I needed to go down mm-hmm. and actually establish roots. So I think pivoting and actually committing myself to like self-study and the CFP course that was really, I mean, that was a hard change. Mm-hmm. So I think part of uh, me going out is really developing a skill and a mm-hmm. trade so I can help serve those clients the best I can. Yeah. And so that might be good advice for people who are like, how do I find mission in my vocation? Is like, just stop a second and, and stop trying to think about going out. Take yeah. a second and go down. Right. Right. And take some time to go, why am I doing this? Right. Right. Um, what is redemptive in this? Right. Like ask some really just good questions about what you're doing day to day. And like, don't you, like if you, you know, don't you use your money for the kingdom? Don't you, like, don't you, don't you want to be stewarding God's resources better? Isn't that what you're helping other people do? Right. You know, and you can probably find those connections in whatever your job is. Um, so I think that's really good. So finding mission inside your vocation, the actual like gear turnings of your work. Like what is this actually doing? Right. And I think of Romans 12, you know, Mm -hmm. offering my mind, my body as a spiritual act of worship. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and so, but, but outside of that, you also physically at a location, right? You are light in the dark. You are just you being there and you being Chris at your job Mm -hmm. makes a difference. Yes. And so like, what does it look like to just be a Christian among other people in the workplace that you're not necessarily aren't clients, but are like coworkers? Right. Well, and I know you guys referenced this on other podcasts, which I've really enjoyed. Uh, Just thinking of the kingdom of God, the the power structure is inverted. So for me, it's, you know, you know, being willing to serve, having humility in what I do, those are all, you know, countercultural in the mm-hmm. business world. It's the complete opposite. You right. Know, the first are the ones that are going to take it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that conceptually, you know, especially even within a church context, when you're talking with your friends, you, you kind of feel confident in that. But when you're actually out in the working world, you know, it's, a, it's an act of faith to actually mm-hmm. step out and do the things and to be obedient to the things that Jesus called us to. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I haven't been in the business world 
since college. I've been in the nonprofit world or the ministry world. And so serve, serving and going low is always held in high regard. It's like, man, oh, what a servant. You know, like, right. and like, oh, he cleaned up the coffee bar. Like, oh, he washed mugs. What a great guy. But that's not the case in the business world. No. And <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I live in a bubble. I didn't know. I thought everybody was just like, oh, that's so sweet of Chris to go clean up the coffee mugs. But like, why isn't he meeting with someone else who's more important than him or something? I don't know. Help me understand that. Like, Because yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are like, yeah, being a servant in the workplace is hard and it, it's an act of faith. I don't think I've ever viewed that as an act of faith. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think one kind of nuance to it is it's not just menial tasks, but it's also willing to be able to have hard conversations with people. Mm. That's something that people don't think about is are you relationally going to serve people by addressing topics, addressing conflict? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be really easy to pass that off on someone else? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, so even changing what our definition of service is to yes. not just, all right, so where's the thing that no one wants to do in some kind of janitorial sense? It's like, no, like, how do I actually love that person as a person right. and serve them with what they actually need, which might be conflict or encouragement or any, yeah, you just, just be like, man, that guy's always encouraging me. Chris is always just saying the nicest stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm serving you. Like, cause you know, you're always coming down, you're beat down and I'm trying to help. That's yes. cool. So yeah, the Lord's really kind of expanded my view. It's not less than those menial tasks, but right. it's more. Mm -hmm. And I think as I get older, those responsibilities expand. Yeah. I love that. That's really great. Um, okay, so I, I know a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, um, how do I make that shift either in my home where I know I'm self-absorbed, I know it's like managing the chaos and hurting the cats, you know, <laughs> in my home with my kids, and um, I've met my neighbors and they seemed kind of like mm, nervous and shy and I don't know if they like me. And, you know, there's that. And then there's like, I don't know. You don't know my boss. You don't know my work culture. You don't know my job. It's, yeah, I'm glad you get to work with money, the thing close to people's hearts that exposes it. Uh, <laughs> I don't. And the thing I do could never have mission vocation in it. Uh, I think there's just a lot of these excuses flying around in people's heads, in my head and everything like that. And, um, and so I'm wondering, like, why do you think it is that people don't go? Like, I'm just curious of that. And that can be for either of you if you have an idea in your head. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I think overall, I mean, we're talking about where your focus is. You know, if it's not Christ-centered, you're easily um, pulled into the culture that you're in. Mm -hmm. So there has to be um, some active you have to actively pursue the Lord. Like that's not something you just put by the wayside. So speaking specifically to moms or stay at home mm -hmm. moms, yeah. there's a lot, of, there's an excuse a lot of, well, you have kids, so you don't necessarily need to be in the word enough or, you know, or all of these um, justifications of thinking that within your home is your ministry. But really when we look at the biblical text, it, that's not the case. Every part of our life is defined and determined by being a disciple so really pressing into that and saying, okay, well, if, what is a disciple? It's learning. So where do I got to start? Well, I have to press in. I have to seek the Lord first, you know, through his word, through worship, through prayer. In that moment, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit just does what he does. You know, we were talking about the, you were saying your um, example of the people reminding me of Acts 4, where just the sentence of they heard the word and they believed. Yeah. Like. It's as simple as that, but you have to surrender those um, ideas, that culture, the you know world view, yeah. 
surrender those things, come before the Lord, and really just ask for Him um, to stir your heart. And for me specifically, was asking for compassion for those around me. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that that was lacking. And um, when He gave that to me, and it was really spurred on by Matthew 9, where it says Jesus saw the people, He had compassion on them, like, you know, sheep without a shepherd. And with that, um, He was just gracious and loving and meeting me where I was at and feeling that um, void in my heart to where I can't look at my neighbors. I can't look at the individuals in my sphere of influence and not have compassion. My heart can't not break Mm -hmm. for them. Like it is a, it's just a part of who I am because of Christ in me, you know? And so, but there's a, um, an element of sacrifice. You know, I'm reminded of, I believe it's in Second Samuel where David wants to build an altar of worship and the guy was just going to give him the field. And he's like, no, like I want to purchase it. Like I want there to be sacrifice behind my worship. So there is that discipline of being in the word, of praying, of being intentional with your family, with your kids, with your job, with your finances, the intentionality behind it. Um, willing to sacrifice and surrender yourself and every part of your life in order to be, you know, that disciple and allow God to do, you know, work in your heart. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think, um, I think you're talking about (laughs) several really good things. I think one, again, we were kind of repeating what Chris said earlier, instead of, instead of focusing on going out, go down Mm -hmm. where it's like, if you want to go out, go down. If you want to take Christ to the nations, bring Christ to your own heart. Yeah. And like just become infatuated with him yeah. and he'll lead you out. Yeah. Christ in you will just manifest himself. Um, and then I think, I think you, you gave us a really good prayer to pray. Like, Lord, make me compassionate for my neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, just give me that. Compa- I don't have it. My heart's hard. Yeah. Fix it. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like, and when the Holy Spirit does that, things will change. Um, and then you, you kind of ended with like, and then once all that happens, there's still going to be this moment of sacrifice. And, but it, it, I think at that point, it's not like a, it's not like a, oh, I guess so. Uh, it's like, yeah, take it, take it, yeah. take it. I don't want it anymore. You take it. And it, it's still a sacrifice, but it's a joyful one. It's a living sacrifice because yeah. you know, it's going to just, it's, it's more freely given. Yeah. yeah. And I think something, um, that you just learn <coughs> over time is the more you say yes, the easier it becomes because you see how God is faithful mm. and loving through it. So sometimes those initial yeses are hard and they just seem like a lot, but then the more, yeah, you freely give, then you're just, you understand what Ephesians 3 is talking about. Like you experience like the exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And you see, you know, God's hand in your life. So yes, those initial ones are hard, but over time, I think you just see his beauty and it, um, it's just easier, yeah. you know, to do. Chris, what do you think? Why, why, why do you think the main reason or reasons people don't go? What, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think one of the reasons is kind of the spirit of the age. I think mm. we're so technologically driven. I think with social media, it's kind of like if one is good, why is two not better? Right. And I think that, you know, that can kind of seep into cr- church culture or, you know, viewing the kingdom of God as just being a world changer. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, constantly reminded of Nehemiah and the dung gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, that was an important task for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I think it's seeing kind of the redemptive purposes and just kind of the menial tasks. Yep. So I think, you know, I don't know if it's 
my age and younger, it just seems that it's driven that like, no, I want to yep. be a world changer. Yep. No, I think you've nailed something really central to why especially people our age don't go and younger is that we, it's like, well, me going and talking to my neighbor or having people over for a meal does nothing. It doesn't change the world. It's not something worth Instagramming or like, it's not going to be a blog post that gets shared a billion times, you know, it's just not, it's not that big of a deal. And so it doesn't matter. Mm. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Economy of the kingdom, it's upside down. The thing that matters the least matters the most. And it's like just going and having a conversation with your neighbors is the most countercultural, revolutionary, world-changing thing you can do. And it's like, and and we're not called to change the world. That's Jesus's job. Behold, I make all things new. He's going to say that at the end. He's the world changer. We are the servants in that world. And so uh, I think you've nailed something there on its head that we just, uh, we are discontent with the mission that Jesus has laid before us. Mm-hmm. We want something more and bigger. And it's because we don't know how big the story is mm-hmm. that actually we're involved in. Yeah. So I think you've nailed it, Chris. That's really good. Okay, I'm very anxious to, to hear about um, a project you guys are involved in to help people. Because we've used the word worldview a lot and it either, we, either we've used it or we've talked about it where it's pretty much been the solution to every problem is worldview <laughs> like you're just you're not you're not understanding the story of redemption big enough and, and and how how you how you fit into it you're not you're not seeing your job as part of the kingdom of heaven like there's all these things these are just huge paradigmatic worldview shifts that we need to go through yeah. um, and uh, I know that's something you guys want to help people do you want to help them um, change their worldview and and see themselves as leaders in the kingdom of God and so you have uh, you've started and are almost about to launch um, a new leadership program called lead mm-hmm. l-e-a-d right so um, where did where did this come from why why be excited about a leadership training program uh, yeah so <clears throat> you know we are blessed to be a part of this specific church family and just the marriage of word and spirit. And it's really healthy and it's amazing. Um, But what we've found is people are having a hard time applying like biblical truths to every area of their life Mm. tends to um, be compartmentalized. So what they might learn, um, you know, through teaching or, um, just, you know, through their C group, they don't necessarily take those truths into their workplace or mm-hmm. into their neighborhoods, or they might have the desire to, they just don't know how. Right. And so our heart behind this is to really um, equip and um, encourage, but also challenge, like, what is, what's keeping you from doing that? Like, where are the areas that are um, sticky or that you just quite haven't um, been able to take this truth and apply it to your life. And so we're, our heart is to help navigate people through that, but to show them the bigger story, mm-hmm. you know, and say, you have been purposed for this time. Like if we believe that God is sovereign and we believe scriptures like Proverbs 16, where he establishes our steps, mm-hmm. then we need to, you know, rest in that and press into it and say, okay, where, like, where do you have me, Lord? Our spheres of influence, it's not so much about where you're at, it's who you've been placed with, right? Mm -hmm. So a CEO of a company, a landscaper, um, someone who serves on the HOA board, it, your credentials don't matter, your title doesn't matter, like you have been purposed there and it is for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so how can we help you 
in doing that. Yeah, I love that. Chris, what about you? Like, why lead? Why do a leadership program? Well, I think kind of like referenced earlier about making that pivot when I was around 23. I wish I had something like lead. Right. You know, I was real fortunate to have a mentor that kind of walked with me for the next two to five years and kind of processed that. But I'm excited at the, the prospect of us doing this on a little bit larger scale. You know, it's kind of like Ali said, you know, um, I I don't think you can really just back your way into intentional living. So I think kind of working with people, helping them understand that they have purpose and then asking a lot of good questions. Mm. So they kind of develop, okay, yeah, you may be a landscaper, you may be on the HOA board. It may not be kind of direct or explicit ways that you can spread the gospel, but the gospel has implications, beautiful mm. implications on what life's supposed to look like in the kingdom. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm kind of picking up from what you guys are saying that like, this isn't maybe a, a pro like a program just for what people would maybe call capital L leaders or traditional leaders right. where it's like you're in the C-suite or you have the word executive in front of your title, or you're even in the business world at all. Yeah. Like, I think it sounds like you're like, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your title is. So basically you're saying like anyone can be a leader. Uh, is that the right way to think about it? Is that like everyone's a unique snowflake or is it more true than that? Like, <laughs> like talk, talk to me about like, who is this for? Yeah. Um, I mean, really it's for believers. We are set apart. You know, mm. we are supposed to be in the world, not of the world. We are marked by Jesus. I think of Peter and John and just, you know, uneducated men, but they knew that they had been with Jesus. Like we should just be different. We're exiles in this world. Mm -hmm. This isn't our best life. We have a future hope and a future glory. So those truths um, that we have, it should automatically make us different. And what the lead part of it is an active, it's, you know, active, it's a verb, it's going out and doing, it's taking the ground that the Lord has set before you. Mm -hmm. It is proclaiming the gospel. It is taking a step of active obedience and you will naturally, I mean, Jesus either draws people to you or, you know, repels people from you. Like yep. he's, that's what's going to happen naturally. So this isn't, um, you know, we don't want to give the wrong idea of yes. Like when you are obedient and you are proclaiming the gospel, there's going to be some fruit you see, but there's also persecution. And mm -hmm. are you willing to go through that? So it's mm -hmm. lead is, again, it's not a title. It's more of what you're doing with what you have and um, being a disciple and being a disciple maker. So that just, um, yeah, those different relationships. And it's that, um, yeah, I don't know, Chris, do you have... It, yeah, I mean, we our vision is to see you know a disciple leaders formed, so mm -hmm. both men and women. So we want to see culture radically influenced in all spheres of it. So that's not just the medical community. That's not right. just doctors. Yeah. So uh, it, like Ali said, it's not necessarily a title, but I think everybody is leading already in some capacity. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sharpening that process and kind of putting a mindset that we're being mindful of the glory of God? Are yeah. we doing this to the best of our abilities? Right. And so what does, what does the lead program look like? Like what, what do you come together and just sit around a table like this and chat about things or like, what's it look like? What's the program? Well, it's going to be a pretty comprehensive. It's going to be two 12 week semesters. Okay. It's going to cost $240. Okay. So, 
Uh, our intent is to make this kind of an interactive. It's going to be the first semester is going to be primarily theology, but within that, we're going to interweave that with uh, kind of leadership. And I mean, you want to kind of jump on that? Yeah. Um, kind of to touch base on what we were talking about earlier of theology, the beauty and the knowledge of God compels us to go and do something. So in these different areas, um, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about financial stewardship. We're going to talk about adoption and fostering. I mean, we're going to talk about all of these um, topics, I guess you could say, and help people navigate those areas with uh, the gospel centrality of it all. You know, so it's, yes, the knowledge, but we, it doesn't stop there. Like it, goes to, you know, it's really the head, heart, hands, the know, the love, the do. Like Mm -hmm. that's the process of every class. We're going to understand who God is, our affections are be stirred, you know, and that will then cause us to be obedient. Gotcha. So so you'll have uh, the first semester, there'll be like a theology focus where people will come and learn the foundations of Christian belief mm-hmm. to basically shape that worldview that we keep talking right, about, right, understand right. that redemptive story of which we are a part, um, but all through the lens of application and what are you going to do to lead with this? Um, and so it won't just be head knowledge. Right. And I'm sure it'll be presented in a way that isn't just to fill people's brains with stuff, but it's like, let's love this knowledge. And then what does that cause us to do? Head, heart, hands. Like, I love that. Uh, the second semester, what's the focus there? Uh, is that more practical or like, what's that look like? Yeah. So um, as Chris said, I mean, it's all going to be interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the second semester is really topical based. Um, we're going to kind of fill out the first semester where the participants where they desire to grow more in. And so right now we kind of have that flexibility mm-hmm. to create the second semester. Oh, nice. um, but it is, it's going to be a lot of group discussion. There's okay. going to be guest speakers. There are going to be application pieces. So you don't just get to come to class and leave and forget about it. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. There's right. going to be, um, yeah, some very practical pieces that they uh, walk away with. But it's, um, I think sometimes when people hear theology, they just you know, it might scare them. Right. Like, Not well, for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's what we're really trying to, um, stay away from. I mean, theology is beautiful. Like yeah. the knowledge of God is beautiful. Mm-hmm. There is also that piece of like, it's for everyone. Oh, so yeah. like to show them in that, in what areas they can use that, that is really the heart behind this. This isn't just for, you know, yes, someone who's very intellectual and loves, studying scripture, expository, you know, it's not just, it's for everyone Mm -hmm. and how we um, can take those truths and apply them to every area of our life and every sphere of influence to be radically obedient to the spirit. So I love that. Yeah. I think, and one of my favorite things to tell people when I talk about, because I'm a theology nerd, that's just my thing. And when I talk about theology with people that I'm just not really into theology and I'm like, everyone (laughs) is a theologian, a deeply committed theologian people do theology all day long and that theology might be like god does not exist god has is not in control of this god is malicious i don't like god like you know but everyone is doing theology constantly 
Um, you know, and it's, it, it, the, the question is like, is it good theology or not? Right, right. And so, um, yeah, everyone's, everyone's a theologian, a deeply committed, devout theologian. The question is, are you a good one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of our missional end goals is that <coughs> we would live under the authority of scripture. Yeah. And you can't do that without knowing who God is. That's right. Yeah, because I mean, and those go hand in hand. Scripture's there to tell us who God is. Right. Yeah, I love that. Well, um, so does this meet? Will this meet like once a week? Once the semester start? It'll meet. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it will be um, once a week for three weeks, okay. and then the fourth week off. Okay. Um, so it'll be an hour and a half each week is the class time. Gotcha. That will be awesome, and it's twelve weeks long total. Or does that include the f- the week four off, or is it like how is it like three four three week chunks? Is that how it works? So it's twelve sessions. Oh, I see. First okay. semester, and yep. then the second semester is an additional twelve sessions. Those oh, are cool. when we actually oh, okay. meet. Yeah, I see. Awesome. Oh, that's great. And you guys are thinking about maybe starting near the fall ish. September. September. Okay. In September. Yeah. And yeah. this is a Bridgeway project, right? Yes. Okay, yes. that's really exciting. Yeah. And so like. What, like, what, do you guys know what the application process will look like? Do you have to like get references or like, how <laughs> yeah. does that work? Yeah, we're actually working through that um, right now. We're going to encourage people to not look at it as an application yeah. process necessarily. We're just kind of getting a feel from, you know, where people are at, where the need is to mm-hmm. help us develop the curriculum, especially the second semester. Um, we think it's, going to be valuable for everyone. So mm-hmm. our hope is to be able to expand it to have more participants in the future. I mean, this go around, it's going to be limited to 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely, um, yeah, be having lists. And I mean, if we have a, an amazing response, yeah. we'll definitely have to adjust for, um, future yeah. courses. So if uh, I, I want to get one more thing from each of you, um, and that is, let's say someone's listening to this right when it releases or six months from now when lead's actually going. And they're sitting there and they're either saying like, man, I think I might want to apply. Or they're sitting there with the application slash it's not an application. Don't look at it like an application. They're sitting down with that <laughs> yeah, piece of paper and they're going, I just don't know. Like they mm-hmm. talked about this on Sunday, but uh, what would you say to that person to, to be like, no, seriously, you need to be here. What would you say? Well, if you want to participate in a diverse learning experience where you're going to be equipped, encouraged, and challenged to be a better leader, this is the program for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the head, heart, and hand application. Yeah. So, you know, it's our end goal is live under Scripture, be empowered by the Spirit, but we want to keep pushing people out to go out into culture in the areas that God has specifically called them to and to influence for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Allie, what about you? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's also just helping them shift their, you know, worldview to that kingdom worldview. Yep. So maybe they don't aren't looking at the components of leadership, but it's okay. But you know, there's something that you desire. You know, there's more for your life. You know, there's, you know, they're searching for that that moment that we, you know, were able to have and. If you have any inclination, mm. like in your spirit, like you need to listen to that, yeah. <laughs> you know, apply. I mean, really, like the Lord is going to stretch you and grow you in various ways. But I really, um, we've just prayed through this and working on it. I'm really excited about the potential. There's also the community aspect, with it, yeah. which I think is huge because you're going to be gathering with um, believers of all different, you know, walks and different places of influence and just coming together and encouraging each other. 
and networking and what you're doing, I mean, that in itself is going to produce fruit. Definitely. That's so exciting. Well, guys, I've been super encouraged and edified by you guys being in here. And um, I'm I'm sure so many other people will too. So Chris, Allie, thank you both so much for sharing your heart and for working so hard on lead. We can't wait to see what God does with it. So thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BridgewayOKC, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchOKC. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.